Good afternoon, everyone. Uh, welcome to the CSP Bears podcast. This is the second season and the very first episode of our second season. Uh, we have some new hosts this year. Uh, I am Alex Laporte, and beside me is Andrew Shotwell. And uh, before we get into things here, I just wanted to give a little background information on uh, Shadi and myself. Uh, we actually grew up together. We're both Minnetonka guys. Um, you know, we went to the same elementary school, uh, the same middle school. We both attended Minnetonka High School. Kind of crazy. And um, we also grew up playing baseball together. Uh, we played in the same Little League program at Bennett Family Park. Uh, I still love that place to this day. Uh, we played Babe Ruth baseball together um, and also played high school baseball. And uh, believe it or not, we both decided to attend school and, and play baseball here at Concordia. And um, a few years ago, or not a few years ago, uh, last year, um, Shadi and myself actually decided to do a few practice podcasts. We just started talking about sports and playoff baseball, and we loved the idea of it. And uh, we heard from Josh Deere and Patrick Rydeen uh, that there was uh, an opportunity uh, coming our way, and they said they needed some new hosts for the show. And uh, Shadi threw our names in there, and, and now we're here, and we're, we're ready to get going. Um, Anything you'd like to add, Shadi? Uh, that's, I think it's a pretty good summary there, Port. Awesome. Well, uh, to start off here, let's talk about uh, the fall sports teams and how they're doing. All right, yeah. So now that I got a word in here, Port, uh, <laughs> let's talk some CSP athletics. The soccer team, women's soccer, off to an historic start at 6-0-1, and they're ranked fourth in the region. They're already, they've already had to, uh, two NSIC Players of the Week with senior Jordan Clark taking Goalkeeper of the Week this past weekend and right se- senior Leah Johnson winning Offensive Player of the Week in her efforts a couple weeks back. The team's already outscored their opponents 13-4 to on the season, so you know they're more than ready to get up, uh, get up north to the University of Mary and Minot State this weekend, but... How about the team that shares their field with them? How's the football team? What are they up to? Yeah, the football team over at Seafoam, they are off to a solid 3-1 and start. They had a big win against Wayne State last week and a 28-21 to victory. And uh, they now have a big matchup coming up this weekend on Saturday uh, against a 2-2 two two St. Cloud team who's, who's always a tough matchup. Um, so if you're out there, feel free to, to make this short hour drive up north to support the guys. I know we'd appreciate it. I know they would as well. And uh, go football team. But uh, what about the cross-country squad, Shai? Yeah, cross-country coming off a huge meet. The GRIAC will first start off with a, another congratulations to another historic CSP performance. Ben Allen finished in ninth place, ninth place out of 309 competitors in the GRIAC at the U of N this past weekend. The team finished in 10th place, so a very strong showing from them. On the women's side, the team finished in 17th place, which was a very large field, so another very respectable scoring there. And Carl Lindbergh individually finished 64th out of 376 competitors, so that is awesome representation of the Concordia St. Paul. Um, actually, Cara, a little more about Cara. She ran the 6K and ran it in 24 minutes, 11.2 seconds. And fun fact, she now owns four of the top eight finishing times at Bolstead GC. Uh, let's go indoors. How about a little volleyball port? Yeah, volleyball. They are currently ranked seventh in the country, which is outstanding. Uh, they played two ranked opponents this past weekend. Uh, on Friday, they had a big rivalry match against number four ranked UMD. Uh, and even though they lost three to zero in straight sets, uh, it looked like every set was close and very competitive, uh, which is what we always expect when those two teams meet up with, with each other. Um, but they also had a huge uh, five set win against number 15 ranked St. Cloud State. 
on Saturday. I, I was able to actually catch the, the very end of that, which was awesome. Uh, I missed seeing every match. Uh, I enjoyed it while I was here, and I, I wish I could still see more. Um, but no, I'm thinking that uh, after that big win, it'll give them some momentum going into this weekend uh, as the team goes on the road against two other tough opponents, being Augustana and another nationally ranked team, Wayne State. Um, so that kind of gives you an idea that there's there's always at least a handful of nationally ranked teams in this conference, which makes every weekend competitive and fun. And um, the record's nine and three, which uh, based on how uh, tough their strength of schedule is, that's that's a very solid nine and three. So uh, keep it up, ladies, and, and keep balling out. And uh, what now? We're on to the golf squad. Talk some, yeah, we'll talk a little men's golf here. They just returned home from Kentucky, the Kentucky Kentucky West uh, Westland Invitational in Owensburg, Kentucky. Uh, sophomore Thomas Huddle led the way for the Golden Bears, who came uh, came into the clubhouse with scores of a seventy-one and seventy, which is a career best three under for him. Uh, very impressive, and uh, they are on their way up to St. Joseph, Missouri next uh, Monday and Tuesday. So exciting times. I know they're getting near the end of their fall season, but how about the women, Port? Yeah, good luck, guys. Uh, the women's golf team, they actually finished sixth in the 16-team tourney at the Lewis Flyer Intercollegiate at Coghill Golf and Country Club in Lamont, Illinois. That sounds like a place I would be losing a lot of golf balls. <laughs> Um, and not to mention, Isabella Dory was actually our top finisher in the tournament as she placed tied for 14th uh, amongst 83 other competitors in the field. So way to go, Isabella, and uh, keep doing well golf teams. Yeah, great uh, great start to the fall sports here at Concordia. And uh, I know we're speaking for everyone by saying best of luck. This, uh, everyone's on the road this weekend, so hopefully, like Port mentioned, you can go support St. Cloud. And uh, good luck. Bring home some W's for uh, the Golden Bears. Absolutely. And uh, I think now we're, we're ready, I think we're ready to bring in our first guest, but before we do... Let's go. Uh, we'd be remiss without uh, giving her a congratulations, uh, Reagan McCarthy, newly appointed athletic director to CSP. Uh, we know Reagan's going to do a tremendous job. I can't think of anyone better to lead this program, uh, just getting to know her through my years here. So, Reagan, welcome to the show. We're glad to, ha- glad to have you with us. Yeah. Woo-hoo. Thanks for the congratulations, and thanks for having me. Oh, absolutely. Our, our pleasure. Uh, we're, we're excited to get after it here. Yeah, I think we'll just jump right in. Uh, if you're ready here, well, um, obviously, I just mentioned you're uh, the newest athletic director here at Concordia. So uh, what do you enjoy most now that you've kind of got your feet wet? What, is, what do you enjoy most about being the, the athletic director at Concordia? Yeah, you know, I think um, I always I always say that it's a little bit of a cheesy answer, but it's a it's a true answer because I just really love our student athletes and I love being around them and watching them grow and develop throughout their time here. Um, you know, it's fun. I get to sit down sit down with you all that uh, you know I watched you watched you come in as as freshmen, maybe a little bit unsure of yourselves and and grow into the individuals that you are today. So I get to watch that over and over and over again with each different student athlete that comes through. And, um, you know, I feel really fortunate that I was able to, to have a really great student athlete experience myself. And I'm really passionate about making sure that we have each of our student athletes leave here feeling like they had a a great experience as well. Awesome. And, and building off of that is being an athletic director, everything you imagined, or are there things you need to do that you never realized? That's a great question. There's there's a lot of it that you are prepared for um, just from being in the industry or just typical things that you would 
assume that an athletic director would do related to budgets and scholarships and scheduling and all of those things. But one of the things I like so much about it is that I never really know what my day is going to look like. And so sometimes there's things that come across my plate that, um, sometimes enjoyable, sometimes not, but that I didn't think I was going to, going to deal with that day. And it's, it's something that always keeps the job exciting and, and keeps me motivated to come back the next day and continue to keep doing it. Absolutely. Absolutely. So you briefly touched on this. Uh, I don't know if you realize this, but in 2012, Port and I were freshmen here, and that happened to be your first year at Concordia as well. So we've, we've kind of been together here for the first eight years of the the past eight years in the department and we've gotten to know you fortunately um so from the time you've gotten here in port of i we can probably test a lot that you're going to say but how have you seen the the just concordia and the athletic department um change over these eight years i did not i did not know that i did not put that together but it kind of <laughs> makes me feel old a little bit i guess <laughs> um you know there's been there's been a number of things uh some of the some of the more obvious ones, you know, we, we sponsor three more sports now than we did when I, when I very first started here in February of 2012. So, um, you know, women's lacrosse, uh, we're starting esports this year and then we'll have a women's swim and dive team by this time next fall. So that's definitely something that's very different and a lot of new student athletes and new coaches that we brought on board as a part of that. Um, from a, kind of physical facilities standpoint, one of the probably biggest things that's happened most recently is the addition of the athletic performance center. So you all were here lifting in the, in the weight room that we previously used and can attest to what a big difference that facility makes for our student athletes and, um, the ability both to have, um, have the space on the weight room side, but then the additional turf training space that helps with some of those conditioning pieces and a little bit of individual skill work that goes along with it. I mean, it's, it's really changed the entire way that we're able to allow our, our student athletes to train from a, you know, off the playing field perspective. And, um, you know, we've done some, some things that probably the general public don't see as much. And that's, we've made a lot of, um, improvements to some different locker room facilities and, um, provided some locker rooms to teams that maybe didn't have them before or upgraded some of the locker rooms that we currently had. And we still have a little bit of ways to go on some of that. There's, there's some, some places that we still need to improve in that way. But, um, you know, so those are kind of three of the top things that, that come to mind for me from way yeah. back in, in 2012. I think the other thing just from an institutional standpoint, of course, is the um, you know, we did the tuition reset in 2013. So the enrollment of Concordia um, from the time that you all started to what it looks like now and with all of our all of our dorms filled up and, and reaching 5,000 students for the for the first time, that's a, a really big difference for us on campus. Sure. Yeah, I don't know if Port agrees. I mean, I that's basically exactly what I would have. Couldn't have said it better myself there, but um, I completely agree with that. I just know that we... Shadi and I are both in awe of the, de- the development and the growth of this place. Mm-hmm. Every time I show up for baseball practice, um, it's, it's, it's amazing week. just over the last couple of years even, not even the last eight years uh, where this university is gone, and it's, it's, awesome. Yeah. it's awesome. I think every time I reach out or come back on campus, something different's changed and I'm in a great direction, and it's awesome to see. So glad we're continuing down that path. All right, and with all of that being said, um, building off of uh, all the new sports that have been brought to campus, You've obviously been a huge part of implementing the new sports um, in our athletic department and starting with women's lacs, which I know you're very involved in, mm-hmm. and we can get to that. Um, 
what does it take to actually start a new team that most people don't think about, like esports? Mm-hmm. And now we're bringing in a swim and dive, which obviously you know people think about. But I mean, esports is such a big thing now. What does it take to actually bring that kind of team to a university? Mm-hmm. You know, it's funny because I remember when I was starting to do some of the research for women's lacrosse, and then we finally got the approval that it was something we were going to pursue. I remember having the thought, like, I could spend my entire career and not have the opportunity to be a part of adding a new sport to a department. And now fast forward a couple of years and we're on our, on our third one. So, you know, it's, it, I feel really fortunate that I'm, that I'm at a place that I'm able to be a part of that and that we're in a, a healthy enough department that we can continue to provide opportunities. Um, but really, you know, a lot of it just comes down to scanning, um, the landscape both regionally and nationally to see what type of sports and opportunities are popular among the students around us. And, you know, it's, it's about providing those, those chances for people to compete at Concordia that maybe wouldn't otherwise choose Concordia. So women's lacrosse was a, um, was a pretty, I don't want to say easy one, but it definitely was one that made sense for us pretty quickly because we, we saw the growth of girls lacrosse in high school in, in Minnesota. And we knew that we would have a really, um, niche place in the market because of that being the only division two in the area. We were the only scholarship offering program in the five state area for a while. Now, some others have, have caught up, um, and, and there's some other programs around us, but at this point we're glad for that because now we have more, more competition to, to compete against. Esports is an interesting one, right? Um, I feel it's like awesome. <laughs> I feel like every day we're learning something about esports that we that we didn't know. And I was able to attend our first ever competition, which was a, a Rocket League competition last week. And um, I just was standing there um, next to Josh the whole time. Just I kept looking at him, saying, "This is so cool. This is so cool." Because uh, it's just seeing it in person and seeing something like that come to fruition that when we very first looked at it, I'm thinking, I don't know about this. Right. And, and now to have, you know, a roster of students that are participating in it and, and a coach that's super passionate and excited about developing those students, it's, it's really awesome to see that all, that all come to fruition. So, you know, um, with both of those sports and, and women swimming and diving too, I mean, really at the end of the day, it becomes somewhat of a business decision, right? We, yeah. We do our feasibility studies and, and put in all the all the costs and benefits associated with it, and um, at the end of the day, kind of see what that bottom line is and whether the benefits of bringing additional students to campus and the you know um, opportunities and tuition revenue off of those with those students is is something that's going to be feasible to um, operate that program. And and um, as soon as those numbers come through and and we see that that that's clear and we're well aware that there's a, uh, a need for that opportunity in our, in our market, then, you know, it's something that we've kind of, kind of jumped on board with. I think maybe the most difficult one so far, and, and, you know, some of that still has yet to come to fruition, but was swimming and diving just because of the facility piece and trying to find a, um, a positive solution for a facility for them. Um, we built an esports built right. We retrofitted a, a <laughs> esports arena. Um, you can't just easily build a pool, and so right. um, that was kind of the biggest challenge that we had related to that one was going out and and finding what would eventually be our home for those student athletes, and wanting to make sure that we had a a quality facility that they'd be able to to practice and compete in. That's great. 
couple follow-ups I had for that. So first of all, I think it's so new. Uh, esports, I'm talking, is so new. People, uh, I know you can follow them on Twitch, but you said you went. Mm-hmm. I need to know what that looks like. Is it is it nerve-wracking? Is it intense? Is it Are there fans cheering? Like, how, What does that look like? And secondly, can you touch a little bit on, I know, esports and lacrosse is currently not an NSIC-sponsored sport. Mm-hmm. Can you talk about, I don't know if it was a challenge of finding a conference for them mm-hmm. or what esports looks like for a conference or is it more of a region-based thing? Yeah, th- those are great questions. So um, navigating the conference affiliation for women's lacrosse, you know, when you talk about, you ask the question about what type of things did I think I'd be doing and what type of things did I, was I not super, you know, aware of, that was one of those challenges that I didn't think I'd ever navigate as a part of um, athletic administration. So we operated our very first year in women's lacrosse as an independent institution. Um, So we had to create our own schedule and we had to go out and find schools that were willing to compete against us, even though we were a brand new program. Luckily in women's lacrosse, um, there's a lot of brand new programs because it's still growing, particularly in our region. And the, the people in the lacrosse community are really passionate about continuing to, to build the game. So that was something that was really helpful. But the problem that we ran into is we could find a lot of games early. Um, we have the dome. And so people were interested in coming to us to participate because we had the ability to, to play on a turf surface early in the year. But then as other teams started to get into their own conference schedule, it was really difficult for us to find games because they weren't wanting to take time out of their conference schedule to compete against us. So, you know, um, thanks to um, our our coach at the time, Mo, she she worked really hard at building relationships with other coaches so that we could make it through that first inaugural season and, and put together a really quality schedule. And we competed in all of our allowable dates, which is fantastic for a first year as an independent. Um, but it was pretty clear to us quickly that it wasn't going to be easy for us to continue to operate that way. And so, um, there were two different conferences that were interested in us, in us joining. And it was really interesting because, um, we were a little bit of a tipping point for both of those conferences. Um, one already was, um, sponsoring women's lacrosse as a conference, one did not have enough schools at the time to sponsor women's lacrosse. And so some of those schools were operating as affiliate members in, in the other conference. And really, whichever way we chose was going to kind of be this kind of swing vote almost, if you will, as to which conference was going to be able to continue operating at a, at a high level. So there was more pressure on that decision than just which conference is it going to be for us? Um, because it there was a lot of different things that were in the balance for that. Um, and so we eventually ended up uh, competing in the, the GLIAC, the Great Lakes Intercollegiate Athletic Conference. We've been in there two years now. Um, this past year was our, our second year. And uh, it's a really, it's a highly competitive conference, which is awesome, right? That's where we, where oh, we want to be. We, we expect that. And um, we were, we were able to host our first ever conference um, playoff game and win our first ever conference playoff game as a part of that. So yeah. that was really fun. And, um, but yeah, I mean, like you said, it's just something that I didn't really think that I would be navigating, which is um, conference affiliation, just something different. And right. then I'm sorry. And then esports. So 
I think we're still kind of figuring out what that what that looks like. Um, you're correct. So not only is it not a conference, um, you know, Northern Sun sport, it is not a NCAA sport. Mm-hmm. So um, esports is really trying to um, through some of the different national organizing bodies. NACE is one of them, um, the National Association of Collegiate Esports, and and we belong to NACE. So they're understanding that providing structure to all of these different programs that are wanting to participate is really important. And um, as they are trying to go through and provide structure, we have Logan Hermes, our head coach, which is, who is serving on the legislative committee at, at NACE. So that's super helpful for us because um, you know we can help provide him suggestions for, as administrators, what we think would be beneficial for those esport teams moving forward. But um, we're still navigating all of that. I'll be honest. We don't, we don't have all of the, all the answers for what it's going to look like for each of the individual games that our esport teams compete in. And, um, we're just, we feel really fortunate that we have students that are interested in, in participating and we have a coach who's super knowledgeable and getting them involved in as many ways as he, as he can. But I think that that's one that we are learning. We are just going to have to be flexible and figure out some of it as we go because sure. it's it's ever-changing i think that's i think that's what makes it kind of fun yeah true you know mm-hmm. and and esports is it's kind of the new thing now it you is. know i think before you know it we're going to be seeing more and more esports like being shown on espn oh without yeah. a doubt it's already on network television yeah. Right. yeah so so esports came about um because we were doing a we were doing a strategic strategic plan for the athletic department and um, Eric Johnson, that's our uh, assistant basketball coach, he said, well, what about eSports? That might be something that we are interested in in the future. And I think everybody, okay, mm-hmm. sure, yeah. write it on the board. <laughs> yeah. um, and so to be here now at this point and, and be kind of on the... It's the first Minnesota college to have it, correct? So um, Bethany Lutheran uh, in Mankato also has it as well. Um, different colleges sponsor it at different levels so we consider it a varsity sport um so scholarships are offered and we treat it as a member of the rest of our athletic department so they have the same type of um rules and regulations that our other sports have but they also have the same type of of benefits as our other sports as well so some some campuses operate it more on a on a club basis but yeah we're we're at a at a varsity level which is a little bit um a little bit unusual awesome well, I know you kind of touched um, what's going on. We kind of talked about what evolved in the past eight years and what's going on now. Do you have anything short-term or long-term um, that where you see the department heading in uh, any directions? Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is a this is a great question. And, um, you know, sometimes I think that being a, a part of a department for a long time and then stepping into that AD role, there's a lot of things that are really – beneficial to that. And then there's a lot of things that end up being a little bit of a challenge because when you, when you come into, um, a new department as a brand new athletic director and you can kind of put a fresh set of eyes on things, it, um, allows you to have a different perspective than kind of growing up in that department. Like I, like I did. Um, but you know, so for me, there's definitely, I mentioned it before, still some work that we, that we need to do from the aspect of, um, locker rooms and, um, some of those kind of facility, I wouldn't even say necessarily improvements, but actual needs that we have. Um, I don't really even put those in a, 
in a category of a just a want, but in a category of a, a need that we need to need to fulfill. Um, you know, and as we as we continue to expand the number of student athletes that we have on campus, we are super super blessed that we have um, four full time athletic trainers. I don't know how many people know that, but that's pretty um, abnormal for a, a Division no two institution. But um, kind of looking even beyond that and what type of services and support we can provide to our student athletes. So whether that's in aspect of nutrition um, or, um, you know, a more robust tutoring and academic services or um, sports psychology or just even general counseling and mental health, like all of those different pieces that are kind of bolstering what we already provide, those are areas that I'm really interested in continuing on, um, continuing to focus on. And like I said, I think we, we have so many new students. So we have, um, we're closing in on 400 student athletes probably by next year, by the time we get a, um, get a swim and dive roster. And so as we've expanded so quickly really in the last five years like what do we need to do in order to continue to like provide some of those additional support pieces to make sure that we're still giving the same amount of attention to our 400 students that Mm -hmm. we did when you know when you all started and we were probably closer to 300. Where does that stack up I know we have kind of a bunch of you know division three schools in our area obviously the U of M's its own beast but Mm -hmm. where would like 400 student athletes do you know where that kind of stacks up and the grand scheme of things? You know, that's a great question. Um, Division three, typically they sponsor more, more sports typically. So um, it actually probably is putting us right around the same amount of student athletes as like our, some of our surrounding, um, surrounding D threes, just cause they, they typically sponsor more sports. They also typically run like JV programs as well. Sure. So, you know, you might have a volleyball team that technically the roster has 25 on it and they're kind of split up and playing, um, playing JV and playing a varsity type of type of schedule. As far as, um, as far as the NSIC goes, we've kind of moved ourselves into the category of having more, more sports and more, um, more student athletes than some of our other counterparts. Uh, you know, some of that's not really apples to apples because, um, you know, some of them are also sponsoring, um, division one men's and women's hockey, but you look at like Mankato, I think is right around like the 18 sport mark as well. And, and so, um, when it comes to number of student athletes, we're getting up to kind of being one of the higher ones in the conference. Yeah. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Well, Reagan, uh, we both know that you're not originally from Minnesota. Mm-hmm. And, uh, in fact, you had a couple stops before you ended up here in St. Paul. What can you tell us about Colorado Springs and what it was like and where you grew up and just if there's anything you miss about it? Yeah. Yeah. Um, Colorado Springs is awesome. It's beautiful. If you ever have a chance to go, you should. Um, there's a lot of really fun, really fun things to, to do there. And both of my parents still still live in Colorado Springs. So we, um, um, we get the opportunity to go back and, and see them. I, I do miss the mountains. I, I love the mountains. And I, yeah. um, I may hiker and, and, and backpacker as I, as I grew up. So, um, coach Curry asked me the other day for a fun fact 
And um, I told him I, my junior year of college, I backpacked through Peru and, and hiked Machu Picchu and the Inca Trail and, and all of that. So the accessibility of all of those type of things in the, in the area of Colorado, that's definitely something that, that I miss. But, you know, Minnesota has a lot of fun outdoor type of stuff to do. And my, my, my husband and my family were into doing outdoorsy stuff. So we get a lot of that here still. For sure. Yeah. For sure. Well, I mean, it's tough when you grow up in Colorado Springs, then you come to the flat Midwest, Mm -hmm. you know, but I'm glad you can still find fun things to do. And Mm -hmm. there obviously is fun things to do. Minnesota's awesome and we love it, but, uh, that's awesome. I did get that question a lot though. You know, I'm, I'm, maybe it's not, I'm sure you'll bring it up, but you know, when I went to, um, I graduated from Augustana, um, it was Augustana college at the time when I was there. Now it's Augustana university, but I did get that question a lot of like, so you left Colorado to come to South Dakota. Like, what are you thinking? <laughs> so, yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. So I know you attended, I believe it's called Doherty. Is that Doherty high, high school? school. Yeah. And you guys went 89 and six, I want to say, which is just mind blowing. Yeah. And you were runner up twice in state and you won it once. And I saw you were yeah. ranked eighth in the country. Mm-hmm. So... I mean, you grew up in a powerhouse high school. How did I did that kind of evolve to Augustana? Yeah, so I like to describe my entire volleyball career as um, I was a maybe above average student athlete that got to play with a lot of really great teammates. Um, my 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 high school team that you talked about. So my junior year when we won the state championship, and that was when we were ranked nationally. Um, all but one person on that team played Division One or Division Two volleyball, and the majority of them were were on the Division One side. So we had a really, really great, um, great, talented group of students, but we also um, we really got along really well, and so that was part of what what made it fun. And I think it really prepared me for being in college because, as you all know, um, our teams at the college level are full of people who were stars at the high school level, right? Mm-hmm. So every single every single person that's on one of our teams were um, the best of the best from their right. high school. So to be at a high school that already was kind of at that level that, that across the roster looked like a, a college roster and sometimes um, the toughest competition that we played that week was scrimmaging each other, uh, that was something that was really helpful for me when I moved on to the college level and I think helped me make that transition even better than, um, you know, than some of my, some of my teammates who had to go from, um, being a, a, a star to maybe being a freshman role player and, right. and kind of what that, what that looked like. Cause I kind of bounced back and navigated that for a lot of my, a lot of my high school career as well. But I'll say, um, my senior year when we were state, when we were state runner up, we lost in the, um, in the championship match. I'm actually probably more proud of of that year than my junior year because my junior year was kind of that was the expectation we right. um, we were supposed to win it that year we had all the um, all the people in place and then we graduated a bunch of them and we were kind of left then with um, students who spent a lot of time. Um, being the backups for, for, you know, for some of those players and everyone listed as, oh, you know, Doherty's rebuilding. They're not going to be as good this year. And so it was really validating for some of us to, to kind of show everyone and prove to them, like, 
no, we've always, we've always had these type of students on our, on our team. We just had, we had so many of them, we couldn't right. even show them all to yeah. you. So, you know, to come back as a, as a senior and make it all the way, um, to the state championship game. And even though we, even though we lost, that was one that I was really proud of. Cause it was fun to kind of see those other student athletes get a opportunity to, to shine as well. Right. Yeah. Right. And then I know you, you mentioned one more time briefly before uh, we move on to your college days, but you mentioned your parents, you mentioned back home. Your maiden name is Tekovic, mm-hmm. and I think I pronounced that right. You did. Um, boy. Where did that originate from? Because it's such a unique name, yeah. I, just, I had to ask. It's Slovenian. Slovenian. Slovenian, okay. yeah. We were trying to debate. We were trying to figure mm-hmm. out which, uh, where that came from. But mm-hmm. We're also debating how to pronounce it. Yeah. yeah. And we also weren't sure if Shadi would pronounce it <laughs> correctly, but he did. Yeah. So it's, it. it's Americanized a little bit. Um, when my grandparents first came over, it was um, Tekovic. And so, um, yeah, so it's, that's kind of the Americanized version a little bit, but yeah, Slovenian. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. Right on. So Reagan, how did you ultimately decide to attend Augustana and what other schools you were considering mm-hmm. throughout that decision? Yeah. Um, so I actually only ended up applying to three different, um, colleges totally. I, I looked a little bit at, at some of the, some of the RMAC schools and just a combination of whether the volleyball didn't feel right or the, the, um, academics didn't feel right. Um, partially I felt like I wanted to get away and, and, and go somewhere else. But I went on a visit to, um, Doan College, which is a NAI in Crete, okay. in Crete, Nebraska. And, um, my cousin, um, second, third, distantly related cousin, um, but she and I were the same age and we, um, competed against each other a lot in like JO volleyball and we got to be really close and would spend a lot of time together. She was an all American middle blocker, um, for Doan and I, thought it would be really cool for both of us to, to go there together. So I went on a visit to Doan and I was like, this is where I'm going. I, I love it. It's awesome. I could play with my cousin. This would be so cool. Uh, and I had a visit scheduled with Augustana and I told my parents I wasn't going to go. And my, my parents were like, uh, no, that's not happening. Like you already <laughs> committed. We're going to go. We're, we're going to, um, kind of try it out and, and see. And that, you know, ended up being a, a really good thing. Cause I, I stepped on campus and I actually, I had attended, a, I was attending a camp there and, and got to know the, the other, girls on the team and it just, I fell in love with it, honestly. Um, it just, yeah, that's a perfect word. It just clicked. And I thoroughly enjoyed my, my experience there. And, and in a lot of ways, it's a lot like Concordia, which is partially, I think why I feel so at home here as well. And you know, it's a small Lutheran institution and, um, the support of the student athletes, uh, for each other was a really big thing there. And I, I know that that plays a large role for us here as well. And, um, yeah, it just, so I ended up there, even though I tried to bail on <laughs> yeah, my well, <laughs> I tried to bail on my visit. So kind of half serious, half uh, kidding. Yeah. Was it awkward? Because I'm sure a lot, tons of student athletes make that decision. Was it awkward to go back to coach and say, "Hey, you know what? I'm actually going to go <laughs> South Dakota." Well, I hadn't actually, um, I hadn't actually like okay, committed so had, okay. to Don. I just when I left in my head, I had told you know I'm, this is where I'm going. I told my parents this is where I'm going, um, and so it wasn't. I didn't have to do any like backpedaling there I just had thought that I had made up my mind and um and I didn't so yeah yeah Yeah, well it got you here so we're happy yeah um so while you're in Sioux Falls um obviously Augustana's campus Mm -hmm. um I don't think there's much more you could have physically done while you were there you (laughs) 
We're very busy. I know you took on a role as the assistant SID. Uh, you worked for the G League, which is the NBA's um, secondary league, if you want to call it that, in Sioux Falls, the Sky Force. You work for the Sioux Empire baseball team, which I actually was going to ask you what affiliate that is. Mm-hmm. And then you also worked in USA Volleyball. So after you know gauging all these and all these jobs, whether it's like, did you have a favorite job that you look back and you're like, oh, my gosh, I love doing that, regardless if it like got you to where you are now, do you have a mm-hmm. favorite? Um, so working for USA Volleyball, that was actually in Colorado Springs. Okay. So Colorado Springs, um, the Olympic Training Center is there. And so a number of the national governing bodies for different sports are also located in Colorado Springs. So I worked for USA Volleyball for two summers um, while I was in college, but like when I would come home for the summer and that was super fun. I worked in, um, the, uh, membership development and grassroots. And so it was all about like, how do we get young people excited and interested in volleyball? Uh, so I got to do a lot of like camps and clinics with, um, with young boys and girls. I helped write some of the, um, uh, curriculum for training young coaches on how to how to coach volleyball. I got to run um, an event called the North American Indigenous Games, which is basically um, Olympics for Native American tribes. Oh, so cool. the yeah. representatives from the different tribes came to Denver and they participated in a whole bunch of different events. Some of them were like traditional sports like volleyball, basketball, um, but some of them were like Native American sports. I couldn't tell you the names of any of them anymore, but not sports that, you know, that we play in high school. Right. And so that was really fun because um, it just exposed me to a whole new group of people that I would never would have, you know, had that experience um, if it wasn't for USA Volleyball. So USA Volleyball was really fun. Um, and my boss at the time, I learned a lot of really valuable things from him as well. His name is John Kessel, and um, he's been a, a pretty influential person in the in the sport of volleyball for a long time. Um, so Empire Baseball is actually like the uh, the like youth association in okay. Sioux Falls. My job with them <laughs> was like the perfect job when you're a college kid. I helped run the the Miracle League. So we oh, built sure. a, oh, yeah. a Miracle League field, which is a, a wheelchair accessible field for um, for students with disabilities. Yeah. And so they, they built that the year before I came. And then my job was to um, sign up and organize all of the different Miracle League teams that participated. So once I had them signed up and they had their coaches and they had their t-shirts, all I had to do was show up on Tuesdays and Thursdays from like 5 to 7 p.m., and watch little kids play baseball. And that was literally like my job for the summer. So, um, not from, a bad gig. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Sounds like the perfect college life. So being a, being a college kid and, and that being your, your job responsibilities, that, that was, that was pretty fun for me at the time. That was between my junior and senior year of college. So it was a good summer. That's awesome. Well, speaking of college and all the work you did at that age, what was 22 year old Reagan thinking she was going to do with her career after achieving, you know, business communications and sport management, you know, you had a minor in journalism and mm-hmm. all of your degrees and all of that was done. You know, what, what was your goal? Kind of what was your, your dream job mm-hmm. growing up Yeah. and at that age, you know, going back to middle school, maybe you knew what you were going to do or you had an idea or when you were 22 and kind of what was your dream job? Yeah. So, um, when I was younger, I wanted to be a lawyer. I don't know why. 
interested. Um, and then at, at Augie, that was when I really got interested. Uh, I love writing. And so I really got interested in, in journalism and communications. And so my dad actually was the one that said, Hey, you, you know, we grew up around sports and, and, um, you love sports. Why don't you think about sports information? And if that, if that's something that would be a good, a good fit for you. And, and luckily we had a sports information director at the time. His name was Kevin Ludwig. And, um, I asked him if I could intern or volunteer or anything. And he, he told me no at first because he's like, oh, you're a student athlete. And I don't know if you'll have time. And, and so I think I finally just wore him down. Uh, and he, and he let me work with him. So I worked with him for three years and then, uh, I stayed on as a graduate assistant. So honestly, I think I, um, thought I was going to be a sports information director yeah. and maybe that's why I have such a appreciation for the ones uh-huh. that we have here. Cause I know what a, what a hard and sometimes thankless job it is. Um, during my graduate year, my boss left. And so I sort of overnight became the head sports information director and it was a little bit of, of trial by fire. And it was, um, apparent to me quickly that it wasn't maybe what I was in, in for, for the, for the long haul. Um, I loved the writing. I loved doing, um, nominations for awards. I don't know how many people know this, but sports information directors are the ones that put your name in for all the awards that you receive. So they're be super nice to them. Um, but they, um, those were the pieces that I really, that I really enjoyed. And the, um, the statistics side of it, it was sort of a, like, I have to do this because this is, this is a part of my, this is a part of my job. I'm not, I wasn't as passionate about that side of it. And that's, um, obviously a really important and key and key side. And so, um, when I, when I had the opportunity to, to move on to a different role in athletics, um, that didn't contain as much of that particular piece, uh, I think it was a little bit of a better fit for me, but I love the, um, experience that I had with that because I think it lends me to have, um, still a high level, but an understanding of, what's going on in our sports information office and sort of some of the challenges that they have. And, and hopefully I can support them better because I've had some of that experience and every once in a while they'll let me jump in and call a volleyball match or something <laughs> here and there when I get the, get the itch too. Yeah, for sure. But I thought sure. sports information, that's, that's what I thought I was going to do. Yeah. Awesome. Well, mm-hmm. yeah. So now, I mean, so once you're done at Augustana, you accepted kind of your first full-time position in a two-year role with the Maya conference and something must have changed because it was heavily reliant on compliance. So I don't know if mm-hmm. that was just your in or if that's kind of what you found a passion for, but how did you find, you know, your time with the UMAC? How did your next transition was to Concordia in compliance? So how mm-hmm. did that kind of help you transition into, you know, your full-time role now? Yeah, so um, the UMAC at the time only had two full-time people that were uh, working out of that office. And so, you know, I I think I got that role based on the experience that I had in sports information. Cause some of it was related to, um, championships and, and game day type of things. And, um, some of the like website and, and writing feature stories at the time we had a different person that was doing some of the like conference stats input. So it was a good, good fit, right? I didn't have mm-hmm. to do as much of the stat stuff anymore. Um, but then it also, you know, this is, 
my boss there, his name is Corey Borkart. I learned a lot of really valuable things for him from him. Um, because he, he told me at the very beginning, you know, like these are the duties that we hired you for. Um, and so those duties need to be filled. However, like this is about fulfilling you and helping you learn and grow. And so the rest of it's up to you and what areas you're interested in and how I can assist you in learning and growing in those particular areas. And as I was, um, you know, helping in and learning all of the different things that you do in a two person conference office, compliance was really something that came, that came out of that. And again, the common thread there was writing. So for, for the entire time that I did compliance, um, my, my passion related to it was any time that I had the ability to express myself verbally. So whether it was, um, you know, like waivers and, and typing up, typing up waivers and, um, putting together all the information and case precedent that was related to that, or whether it was information that I was putting out to our different conference constituents, ADs, coaches, and communicating, doing my best to communicate really well with them about the different rules. While I was there, I also was able to be a part of, um, the UMAC, uh, sponsored a piece of legislation to put forward to the, um, national body at the NCAA for, for NCAA vote. And so being able to be a part of writing all of the, um, you know, question and answer documents related to that and kind of the rationale for why we felt like this rule would be a positive rule for student athletes. Those were the pieces that really, um, made me fall in love with, with compliance. Yeah. Awesome. Let's go. Let's yeah. go. Uh, we know that uh, your role at the UMAC conference was largely uh, supported by the Ethnic Minority and Women's Internship Grant Program. Mm-hmm. Um, and we also know that Concordia has been supported by grants uh, through this program as well. Yep. Um, does this program still have an impact on you today? And also, what is your approach to provide more opportunities for women in sports from a competitive perspective as well as a career opportunities perspective? Mm-hmm. Yes. So, um, people, you know, that are maybe on the outside of athletic administration, maybe even some, some in don't under, don't always realize that there's a lot of grant opportunities that the, that the NCAA provides. You just got to be able to, um, look for them and, and know how to, how to apply and, and put in some good, good applications for that. So, um, we have actually, we have a current person who's on a women and ethnic minority grant. Um, our assistant women's, um, our assistant track coach, Lena, she is on a, um, coaches enhancement grant, which is, um, part of that diversity and inclusion um, piece of the NCAA that provides funding to help enhance um, women and ethnic minorities in different uh, positions in athletic departments. So that one's specific to coaching. It's a four-year kind of stair-step grant where the NCAA, um, they fund a ever decreasing portion of it. Right. So, so their contribution goes down, our contribution goes up and it's a good way to kind of, um, transition, transition. Yeah, for sure. So to, to bring somebody in a position that maybe you didn't quite have the funding for, but a way to kind of get creative with that funding and, and bring that person in. So, you know, we, we saw a need on our, on our track team, one, just for, for more help. And then two, we have a lot of females on our track team. And, and so we, we knew it was important to, to bring in a, a female assistant coach for them as well so that they feel supported and, and represented also. And, and Lena's been doing a, a great job. She's on, on year two of that, of that grant right now. Right the on. other thing that's really cool about those grants is that they also include some professional development money as well. So it gives 
gives those um, grant recipients the opportunity to kind of bolster their experience by going to different conventions or um, professional development sessions and really make sure that they're getting as much support as they possibly can in order to, um, you know, to, to make that position the best possible. And then we also had uh, Lindsay Curry that was here previously that oh, was yeah. on the um, internship grant through, um, through the Women in Ethnic Minority Grant, and she fulfilled a um, director of marketing role for us. And that is only a one-year grant. And so that one was kind of here and gone, whereas the one that Lena is on is really with the intent of eventually adding that position as a full-time person moving forward. Yeah. I know me, Port and I both interned in the athletic department and actually worked with you and Lindsay for uh, her year under under that. So mm-hmm. we know she's off, uh, I think, at St. Kate's now. Yeah, she's, uh, yeah, she's Sports Info at St. Kate's. Yeah, so yeah. she sparked her career as well, so that's good to hear. Yeah, so I mean, so the second part of your question really yeah. um, is – some of that, right? Like right. knowing what type of resources are resources and opportunities are available for for women and minorities, and and how some of that funding and and professional development can be utilized to help you. Um, I'm I'm proud of the fact that we have um, full time head coaches who are who are female on our on our staff, which is something yeah. that wasn't the case in, in 2012. And now that's not all me, right? There's, there's other people that are involved in that, but I think it's important for our, our female student athletes to, um, to feel like they are supported and and represented and, and know that that coaching is a career that they could potentially go into. We also have, um, a full-time trainer who's a female and then Allison Meadows, that's our, our SWA and handles compliance now. So, um, you know, having, having those people on campus and, and feeling like we're more equally represented uh, across our department is really helpful for our, um, you know, both our female and male student athletes to kind of see those, um, those female role models as well as the male role, role models that we have within our department. Absolutely. Um, so as we kind of wrap up here, uh, we'll have a couple of fun questions for you coming up, but we have one more. Um, I know I'm sure there's a lot of people listening that may have a desire to work in athletics, uh, maybe even be an athletic director someday. So is there anything you would tell them and you're like a aspiring high school or collegiate athletes that uh, whether they're a student athlete or not, that kind of got you to where you are or something that you would encourage them to do? Yeah. Um, I think you, you have to be okay with doing the dirty work when you're in athletics. Um, you know, when when dome day comes, you'll see me out there with our student athletes as well. But um, you know, there's there's a lot of people that think about being in athletics and think about the exciting, sparkly sides of the job. And there's a lot of those too, right? I've gotten to travel to championships. I've gotten to go to um, you know women of the year awards banquets and all of those different things. But leading up to those, there's a lot of days that that require require some dirty work and require hard work. And there's, there's weeks that, you know, you, you have, um, you know, you're going to work 11 days in a row or something without a, without an off day. And so I think you just really have to come into it being okay with, with doing some of the the dirty stuff. And, And you'll, you'll know because you'll recognize the people that stick around and that are in it for a long time and, and make their way up in it are people that are willing to, to pitch in and, and get their hands dirty when they need roll, to. Roll up your sleeves. Yep, yep. Exactly. Roll up your sleeves. Exactly. <laughs> awesome. Day in and day out. 
So, yeah, you know, we weren't going to let you out of here without having a little fun. So <laughs> I think Port's going to ask here the first question. Oh, gosh. Uh, okay. So, you know, buckle up for this. I mean, one. I've already been having fun, but now, we're, now I guess we're going to have some more fun. Yeah. Uh, but do you know what your overall head-to-head record was against Concordia at Augustana? I do, because it's not great. <laughs> there, <laughs> there it is. Yeah. Um, so w- when I, we, did, we did not beat them while I was there. Um, we, so my first three years, um, I played in the old NCC. So, sorry, not the old, old NCC, kind of the middle iteration of the NCC, but mm-hmm. um, North Dakota, South Dakota, um, ne- um, Nebraska, Omaha, they were all still part of the conference at that time. So really, we only ran into, for my first three years, we only ran into Concordia when we were at regional tournaments and um, or maybe some preseason tournaments here and there. So we only had to deal with them maybe once during that time. Unfortunately, it was often to get knocked out of the NCAA tournament. So that was <laughs> that was not fun. And then my final year was when um, Augustana joined the NSIC. So I think we had we had to play them twice that year um so i'm i'm sure that it's that it's that what we, is it shoddy from what i found <laughs> uh you know concordia took it five, five and oh yeah yeah and uh good news you, you took two games off of them if that's any hey, consolation yeah i'll 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 take it those were some um those were some impressive years for concordia volleyball they can they continue to do it but it's a good club yeah it's a good yeah. club yeah, I mean, you guys were legit too. You guys were fifteen and five in your conference, or in their yeah. first year in the NSIC. You mm-hmm. guys finished fifteen and five, so you guys are no joke. Just Concordia was in the the middle of their you know eight nine championships in a row. Yeah, yeah. Um, Augustina was national runner up in volleyball. I think it was in two thousand eleven, or sorry, um, two thousand one. So you know, as I'm starting to look at them in two thousand four, um, right. you know, they're they're kind of coming off of of some of that, and um, you know, I was fortunate enough to get to participate in in four different. NCAA regional tournaments and and get to be a part of that. So, um, yeah, Concordia often often ended our ended our run in those, but it was fun to as a student athlete to play at a level that you you get to compete on a on a national stage for sure. Absolutely, yeah, yeah, yeah this, week in and week out. Mm-hmm. This next question is very serious. So, um, <laughs> I noticed you redshirted your first year at mm-hmm. Augie. Um, do you have any interest in becoming the first? Well. What I have to believe is to be the first ever player slash athletic director for, you know, the our volleyball team's young. You might need mm-hmm. some senior leadership. You have any interest yeah. in coming back? Yeah. They wouldn't want me at this at this point in my in my career. Um yeah. And the compliance the compliance side of me, I went to I am out of semesters. I went to grad school, so I technically don't have any oh. any eligibility we'll Brady, no. remaining. <laughs> yeah. 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 So but it is it is fun to to be at a uh, institution that you know, I love all our sports. I really do. But, you know, being a former volleyball player to have, have the team be so good, that's it's fun to be a part of. And people ask, sure. ask me all the time if, like, oh, did you play at Concordia? And I'm like, well, I actually had to play against them. But, <laughs> yeah. Um, so being in compliance, you know all the crazy rules. You have to have had – you've had to have come across situations that are just so bizarre that – you know, it's just absolutely ridiculous. Do you have a, a compliance rule that's just like by far your least favorite or something that's happened that's just completely outrageous? Um I can't think of a I mean there's there's a lot of weird rules, right? Um probably one of the one of the hardest like cases or, or something that I really had to 
had to navigate through was a friend of yours with um, Yuji Suzuki. Yeah. I was going to mention it because I remember you talking about it when we were in school and just how crazy it was. So Yuji's um, high school career spanned a couple of different countries and um, being able to kind of get him, get him eligible at the, at the beginning of the year. I mean, he was an excellent, he was an excellent student and that, that part was easy, but all of the different kind of things we needed to work through in order to get him, um, all of his documentation and stuff in, that was, um, that was a little bit more difficult. And then, um, a really interesting one actually, um, Hank Goff was a, a former football student athlete of ours who I re- I'll never forget the day he, he came in, came in with our football coaches and they sat him down across the, across the desk from me and, um, and we're kind of looking at his stuff to see if, if we were going to be able to, to get him eligible and participate for us. And he had spent a couple of years in the, uh, originally went to South Dakota state and then spent a couple of years in the military. Yeah. And so there's yeah. some exceptions related to military service and how many times you've been away from, or how many years you've been away from, um, your sport. So I'm looking through and I look at his stuff and, and I see, Oh, grad year. 2005. <laughs> and so Hank and I were the same age. And <laughs> so another Minnetonka guy too. Yeah. yeah. Hank. Yeah. Yeah. Another so skipper. He, you know, he went on to have a really successful career here at Concordia, but it was interesting to be, you know, an administrator in compliance and, and, and look across the table and see somebody who, who was my, my age that I was trying to get eligible for, um, for competition. But that's the interesting part about division two. It's kind of a, a unique division in that way that there's opportunity for eligibility in division two that you wouldn't necessarily have at other levels because of some of the, um, unique pieces of the rules that, um, division two allows. So, yeah, so we're fortunate that way. Well, that's great. Well, Reagan, thank you so much for coming on. We enjoyed. You gave a lot of insight to what Concordia uh, has been up to uh, and where we're going in the future. So thank you very much. Yeah, Reagan, thank you. That was awesome. Yeah, thank you Had a lot of fun. Had some great answers. And um, look forward to maybe doing it again in the near future. Yeah, I'm really glad you guys are back and that you're you're doing this. We love having you guys around. So it's perfect. Awesome. Well, everyone, thank you for tuning in to the CSP Bears podcast. Uh, You can also catch us on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play Music, TuneIn, Stitcher. I believe there's a few others, and we're hoping to get on Pandora soon. Thank you guys again for listening. We will see you next week. Yeah, Port and Shoddy are out, and stay golden, my friends.